Welcome to another episode of the Awakened Soul Podcast. I'm your host, CEO Hayes. You can go ahead and follow me at C-E-O-H-A-I-Z-E. You can also follow the show at the Awakened Soul Pod or at Awakened Soul Pod, just depending on where you're looking for us at. How's everyone doing today? Uh, we have another great episode planned for you guys this week. Justice from the Extra Regular Podcast is actually coming back so we can continue the series on higher education. This time we dig deeper into uh, people of color in the education system, the importance of uh, representation in faculty and staff uh, with people in, co- in color in those positions as well. And we also get into the imposter syndrome. And for uh, those who don't know what that is, we'll get into that. We kind of explain it there. We also talk about collegiate sports and if those if, if college athletes should be paid. So it's a really dense episode. We talk about a lot in it. So we're going to we're going to get into it uh, uh, off the top. I don't have really much for you guys today as far as like craziness or anything going on around the Berks media pay close attention though because some announcements are coming but nonetheless we're going to go ahead and get into our intro music I'm going to catch you guys on the other side of that we're going to get into my dark and twisted crazy ass mind during the end of mine hey segment and I will see you guys right after this the following is a breaks media podcast You are now listening to the best podcast in the world the awakened so hosted by my daddy. a lot uh going on uh as far as this week like with the in the mind of hay segment but i didn't last week and then i went on a whole like tirade and shit so we'll see how long this goes but the first thing that i want to talk about and this isn't as this isn't positive news but i do want to talk about it so uh for those who are aware there's a situation in which two indian uh teenagers were actually arrested for for targeting african-american girls at a football game they called them they called them nigger uh and then they 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 urinated on an eighth grade black girl and so this is a situation that came to light on social media because a parent reported it or talked about it on social media but high school is already enough and and i've gone on record by saying i wasn't one of those people who had a lot of I didn't have a bad experience at all in high school. And that may be because I played sports and I was also a nerd and I was just kind of hovered between both both areas. But I didn't have a bad experience at all in high school. But when you hear about some of these stories that people are going on, like not only were you attacked with they multiple people. So it was just one girl that they that they peed on, but they were targeting uh, black younger black women students. And like I said, calling them uh nigger and one girl they peed on this happened in new jersey i don't know if i said that or not so the lawrence township is the police officers are actually and the mayor spoke on this and they're actually pressing charges and the the teens were arrested and they're going to go forward with the case but just when we sit there and 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 we all often we think of the attack or racist slurs only coming from white people and we don't think or see how other minorities also contribute to that and i know there's been this whole thing on if Latinos can say the word nigga. I'm not even going to get into that. But I just wanted to, to put light on this, the fact that 
it's just it's fucking crazy is what it is it is it's it's crazy um so check that out go and google it. it happened at lawrence high school uh this past friday night so google it check it out if you see it it was two uh two teen indian teens who uh were arrested because of this so we'll see what comes of it um but in more positive news and what's on my mind and uh dolomite is my name is set to premiere on netflix this upcoming friday and you know, uh, Eddie Murphy had the $70 million deal with Netflix. This is kind of the first project to come out of that. And I really want everyone to go out and support this for a few different reasons. Rudy Ray Moore um, is one of the greatest comedians of all time. Without what he did, uh, a lot of the comedians that we all came to know and love in the 90s and early 2000s wouldn't have the platform that they did. And I know, like, I don't know how well, how aware this generation is uh is aware of Rudy Ray Moore and Dolomite and, and that whole thing, but check out this documentary and this just continues. What we've been getting is more and more of our stories from our culture being told and painted in a respectable light. And they're putting more other people of color at the head of this to really get it culturally. Um, Wu-Tang and American Saga, which we're reviewing as each episode drops on the breaks radio. Um, we also we, we know what Avery DuVernay did with the story of the Central Park Five. Uh, we have the Black Mafia TV show coming from 50 Cent, which, you know, we'll see. We'll see how that how how that goes and what it does. But we are getting more and more of our stories told respectively. And I just really want everyone to go out and support this. At least check it out and watch it. Uh, Eddie Murphy has already said that he's considering a return, uh, doing a stand up special, which he hasn't done in fucking decades, which I would love to see if it's going to be actually raw and uncut Eddie Murphy. Um, so it's just, yeah, it's, it's a lot of things. And there are a lot of stories that are being done or in development uh, that are of the black culture and of our history. And we need more things like this to come out and being uh, handled with the love that it seems like they're being handled in. It's very important. Um, and it's, it's well overdue. And, you know, for often we got our stories told, but it wasn't they didn't have us really at the headline leading it in a lot of other stuff. So it's 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 great to see what's really uh, how how like and Netflix is really kind of at the head of this when you see it. And for uh, a while, the Netflix didn't have much diversity or black representation in their offerings. And I think initially it was like uh, Marlon Wayans who had the first uh, few set of projects on Netflix and then it just open the door uh, from that point out. And we just want to continue to see that grow and develop. And we want to get more and more and more of our shit out there, plain and simple. All right. And so the last thing that we have on my mind is everyone knows I'm a comic book movie nerd. I love comic book movies. I love comic books in general. I love movies and film in general. Check out the film frequency so you can get a, a fill of that. But Watchmen is about to de uh, debut on, um, HBO, Regina King is really kind of the lead of that. Um, and she recently had um, comments. She was being interviewed for Watchmen, and I'm not sure I, of how it got into this, but um, she mentioned how we need to stop racist and white supremacists. And she also mentioned how race is a, a part of, I mean, yeah, race is a, race and racism is a part of America's fabric. Um, and it's true. And when you see, like, with the, Political races leading up. There's a lot of talk over uh, slavery. And uh, recently, I can't remember which politicians had a thing of the fact that a lot of the racial tension in this country is because slavery was never really made up for. And you can never really make up for it. So the, the, the whole 
the whole race card is always going to be a factor in what comes up in political conversations, especially around the presidential election, because that black vote is very important. So in in kind of bringing this up, first off, Regina King is always been one to speak out and we need to support her and everything and what she does but i want to say this as and i know and i kind of talked about this when i was on um uh, the the live show in atlanta um this past weekend actually sunday if you're listening to this it was this past sunday if you listen to this when it drops but uh to come off of that um we know with politics it is a lot for people to really understand and even i think the interest in politics and policies are at an all-time high, but people really have a hard time in knowing where to jump in because it's a lot of information. It's a lot to to look out for. And all I can say is that, you know, try to do some as much research as you can. I know it can, it can be a lot, but try to dig deeper than just these debates. The debates are a great place to work and is a great place at, to use as a launching point to do some research. If you hear something in the debate or something that somebody says that, that you vibe with or that you feel, but let's, 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 as getting ready for this political, uh, this, this presidential election, let's really do our research. When we talk on it, um, you guys can listen to this podcast. You, you know, we're all going to do it. You can listen to the cancel this political podcast as well from our friend Andrew Bello if you're interested in that side of things but go ahead and, and check out make sure you dig deeper into these politicians and their policies before you give anyone your vote your vote is your stamp of approval so really let's try to do it if you guys need help if you guys need any resources you know you can reach out to me because I try to stay on top of most of the shit even me I can't stay on top of all of it um but that's it for the in the mind of hay segment nothing too crazy I'm not gonna go on a long and passionate rant like I did last week I know I really I set that off and I came in on fire last week so uh this week's episode is a lot it's more educational it's a lot more laid back uh we're we're actually going to take a brief break you're going to hear a ad from another breaks media podcast it's going to be the team because you know and i always play the team's ad first because they dropped the day after me so i i want to give them their shine and then after that we're going to jump into the rundown with jb and we're going to come back after that with me and justice uh to talk about higher education i'll see you guys there hey guys it's your girl back easy hi everybody it's your girl joanne hey guys it's trell and this is the, the team. team and we want to welcome you into our group chat where we talk any and everything from abcs of sex to finding your passion Catch us every other Tuesday on Spreaker, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and YouTube. Because we live. Take that, take that. <laughs> What's going on, beautiful people? It's your boy, the prodigal one, JB, back at it again with another episode of The Rundown. Let me get my trusty book of news here and see what we got on tap for you today. Trump pulls U.S. troops out of Syria. Nah. Elton John hates the new Lion King movie? <laughs> yeah, you and me both, Rocket Man. Boom! Got it, everyone. So, Lego! Dutch police discovered a family of six living in a farmhouse basement and waiting for the world to end. The family allegedly lived in the basement for nine years. Nine years. The family consisted of a sick, bedridden father and his five kids, aged between 18 to 25. They were only found after one family member escaped. Jan Zun van Dorsten, the eldest sibling, who was 16 at the time, is now 25. He managed to flee to a nearby bar, but after ordering five beers, said he couldn't get home. A 58-year-old Austrian man, being called Joseph B., has been arrested in connection with the investigation. Holy crap. Where do I start with this? First off, 
This Joseph B apparently tricked these people into thinking the world was coming to an end. I mean, that's some Jim Jones Kool-Aid stuff right there. But more importantly, how lonely and hard up was this Joseph B to have some friends? I mean, couldn't he have had some books? You know, read some books. What about YouTube? Yeah, I know how easy it is to get sucked into that YouTube vortex where you spend 2-3 hours watching some random ass videos. But I mean, bruh. Play some damn PS4, Fortnite, go on eHarmony or something. But no, he chooses to go down this road. It's good on the oldest son, Jan, for sneaking out though and saving his family. Of course, like a true millennial, his priorities were somewhat questionable. I mean, think about it. I just got freedom after 9 years. Do I A, call the police, or B, go to the hospital to make sure I'm okay? The answer? Neither. He chooses F for getting f***ed up. This man went to a bar and proceeded to down not one, not two, but five beers. I know for sure he was feeling saucy too because he weighed all of about 105 pounds. And that's just lightweight city when it comes to the alcohol. I want to know how long before this guy actually lands a multi-million dollar deal. I mean, I can see him being a spokesperson for any beer company out there. I can see it right now. A man living far, far away underground for nine years decides to finally embark on a journey in search of finding the perfect beer. I think this commercial can work. If Harold and Kumar can go to the White Castle, why can't good old Jan go in search for his perfect beer? Who agrees with me? Anyway, moving forward, I have to say, Good on the owner of the bar also for calling the authorities out just to check on this. Personally, I think that the owner is still trying to figure out who the hell is going to pay that beer tab. Because you know Jan isn't paying for any of it. He's busy living his best life, you know, with the sun, clean air, stuff like that. So continuing on the same millennial train, Jan, in just literally a matter of a day or two after being freed, went and reactivated his Facebook page. And he got an Instagram account and started taking selfies. Selfies. Something tells me this man has a lot of DM sliding to catch up on. I mean, after nine years, you know the thirst doesn't get any realer than that. Now, also, there's been a lot of speculation that this story might have been a hoax or fake. How can this family be that gullible or naive? Personally, I think it could be 100% real. I mean, can families be that gullible or naive? Ask yourself, can families be that gullible or naive? Sure they can. How about a whole nation voting for your fake news? You have an agenda. Wait, what? Who said that? Anyways, anyways, this story proves a very important point. Dutch people are some weird ass efforts. Hopefully investigators can really get to the bottom of this and shed more light in the days to come. Who knows? Maybe they'll find Jan used to sneak out. And who knows, maybe he snuck out after he realized and found out hookers and weed are legal in Amsterdam. Plot twist! I want to see what everyone thinks. Is this a hoax or can one human being legitimately trick six people like this? Go ahead and let me know. You can find me on Twitter at the P1JB. That's at T-H-E-P-1-J-B. And be sure to send any headline or news suggestions my way. Okay, boys and girls, that's going to go ahead and wrap up this episode of The Rundown. Catch you next week. Peace.
All right, ladies and gentlemen. So I guess I did not scare her off the first time. It's Justice Brooks is back again to talk about more higher education and stuff. This time we're going to get a little more in depth on the uh, person of color perspective with some of the stuff that she actually sent me. So she has to answer. What's going on, Justice? Hey, hey, how's it going? Tired, fat, and black. Hey. Oh, <laughs> so before we get into the nitty and gritty, just how's your week been going? What's going on? What's new? Um, it's been going well. I finished my mom right in it lunch today, so that was the majority of my week was getting her to do what I need to do to get her website. Um, other than that, yeah, it's just been a regular ass, extra ass week. <laughs> That's fair enough, fair enough, fair enough. So, uh, how was how was the lunch? She had a launch party. Was it like did she have a? Yeah. How was that? So we had a launch party today. Um, it was basically a lot of her closest friends. So my mom is starting her own private practice for therapy. Um, and so we actually like launched it at the party. Like I finished everything uh, before I got there, and between my stepdad and I, um, we uh, bought her the domain, so she owns the domain. Um, she didn't know we were going to do that. All right, that's fair, fair enough. So, just a couple of topics. So, first, like, um, before we get into anything else, uh, just some feedback from the first episode that we did on higher education together. Um, got some great mm-hmm. feedback for it. Uh, we wanted a couple of, we got a couple of questions about wanting to talk about like the diff, more of the difficulties of like being a student in higher education but some of that we're going to get into here so i don't want, want you to worry about it, about it. Hmm? i said okay okay cool. so the first topic that we have being a poc in higher education student faculty staff all the good shit you came up with the damn topic so you know what to talk about this is this is basically your episode i'm just here to learn i'm taking i'm taking <sighs> i'm taking notes here so you got to do this so you See you to see what happens when you don't bring your own podcast back. You have to come on the Awakened Soul <laughs> and do a podcast. See, that's what happens. Well, first of all, when I sent you five or six topics, I expected you to pick a one. Mm-hmm. So y'all, he was like, "Yeah, let's just talk about them all," and was not prepared to talk about all five of those things. But here we are. Um, so when we talk about just a POC stands for person of color. So that's all of our black and brown people, um, anybody that has melanin. So our melanated folks. Um, and when we talk about being a person of color, whether that's a student, so is that that was one of the questions, yes? Yes, ma'am. So uh, was it anything specific about being a color in higher ed or was it just like talk about going to college and being a person just of color? Just going, going to colleges and universities in general. So some of, like I said, like the, the difficulties as far as adjustment, um, even getting in the door mm-hmm. of some colleges, like uh, some people wanted to hear the process of, you know, for those who don't know, the process of applying at a college to attending college, they want to hear more about that side of it as well. Okay, so from the student side, um, a lot, I'm going to say should, should, a lot of your uh, primary schools should 
help you along in your process of applying to higher ed. Now, what we know about um, our underrepresented populations of students in a lot of the schools that our persons of color go to, um, those resources aren't readily available. So for instance, I think I did not meet my high school counselor until my senior year of high school. Um, and that was just because I needed a class changed. Okay. They did not help me um, like apply for college. Um, I played sports in college. There was nobody navigate me through um, registering with the NCAA. Like there was, there it was not existing. And I went to a college prep school, so like the academics were there, but we lacked the resources to help us get into that. So scholarships, um, people to know, organizations to join, and things like that. Um, as a person of color, it can be really difficult to, yeah, like the question asked can be really difficult to um, find that pathway to getting into higher ed. Um, and once you get there, it's a, it's a whole, it's a whole nother animal, um, especially if you're a person of color at like a PWI, a, pro a predominantly white institution, um, you know, it, it can be intimidating, especially if you come from somewhere where everybody you went to school with was a person of color and then you don't see anybody, you're the only brown person in your class. So that can be an adjustment in itself. Um, I could talk about that for a long time, but I'll go on to uh, faculty and staff. Um, no, no. I mean, look, if we don't get everything, it's fine. But let's let's talk about the difficulties since you did experience okay. it. And I think that, you know, the representation is is kind of a offset of this. So we'll definitely talk about that in it, too. But I don't want you mm -hmm. to worry that we hit everything. This is a three part series. So we got a whole nother episode to feel if we need if need be. So don't worry about it. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> um, so just being being a student of color there especially at a PWI. So I went to school, um, I, I live in Kansas City, and I went to school about an hour and 45 minutes away from here up in um, Maryville, Missouri. Maryville, Missouri is a true college town, and the only people of color that are in Maryville are people who come there to go to college. Okay. That's it. Um, so... I can honestly say in my college career, I did not have a faculty of color, mm. bachelor's, associate's, bachelor's. It wasn't until I went into my master's program where um, I had a couple women of color. Uh, and so it's kind of discouraging because, you know, these are the fields and things that you want to go into, but you don't see anybody like you teaching that or when you are researching things or trying to figure out, talk to your professors about people that they know that they can link you up with to get some networking, it's still nobody that looks like you. Um, and represent, representation of that affects your students. We know that students feel more comfortable when they can relate to their 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 staff and their faculty. And so if I don't feel safe enough to come and talk to things in class or I'm like, you don't know what it's like to be black. Um, you don't know how it feels, then you know that's gonna absolutely shape my experience. For instance, I remember we were there was a racial thing that actually happened on my campus and our um 
the person who was in charge of diversity, he was a white guy. And we were having a conversation in what we called the living room, which was in the union. That's where all the black folks hung out, was called the living room. And um, we were talking and, you know, it was a heated conversation. And I just remember him saying, you know, I understand how you feel, blah, 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 blah. And I went off. Like, as a white man, you don't understand how I feel. Like, there's no way that you can tell me. You may empathize with it and you may understand that it's wrong, but you don't know how I feel. So, uh, and then there was nobody of color for us to talk to. Yeah. So, you know, just just things like that is what it, um, it's important to have those people in not all places. And I can't speak for HBCU. Um, I never, I never went there, but yeah. So just is having another person of color to speak to. Um, I just did some quick research. So only mm-hmm. since 2016, only six per point six percent of college faculty new hires are people of color. Right. Like that's wow. That just like, blows me mind. It's it's where'd you look? Uh, well, the the I think the the what I saw came out in late 2017. So maybe it's a little dated. Okay. It was. It the, is a. It's a tad dated. Okay. Yeah. I, it's the high. The high education report is the name of the website. So that's you, when that came out. You kind of broke up a little bit. I didn't hear that. The <laughs> website that I pulled that from is called the Higher Education Report. Okay. So, um, what we look at in those statistics is called the National Center for Education Statistics. I cannot say that word. Okay. <laughs> or. or uh, NCES, and so that data they kind of update that yearly. So from 2018, um, I want to say altogether. So higher ed, faculty wise, staff wise, um, it's still predominantly a white male profession. Okay. White male. It goes white male, white female, um, black female, black male, Hispanics, and Asian Asians. Pacific Island. Um, and so. People of color altogether may be, and that's everybody that's non-white, okay. <laughs> uh, may uh, 12, 18, maybe 20%, 20, 22, 23% of everything. Wow. That's just wild. Does, so did that <laughs> did that affect you? Because in the last episode that we did together, you mentioned that you have a teacher's degree, mm-hmm. which I knew when you kind of call, you try to call me out on. Nonetheless, um, not gonna throw any shots. Don't start this in front of the people because <laughs> go. No, not in front of company. Um <laughs> did that affect at all your decision to not going into being a teacher? Into actually being in a classroom and teaching. Yeah. Um yes and no. So I thought my track to higher ed was, oh my gosh, I want to be an elementary school teacher. Oh my gosh, I I can't handle elementary school kids, <laughs> their parents, to, oh, I really like English. I, I would like to teach kids English, like high school. No, I'm not finna read all these books and write all these fucking papers. So, <laughs> no. <laughs> um, and then I actually worked in my college, and I and I really, really liked it. And um, I don't know. A lot of the until, – until I got to college, 90% of my teachers were black. Okay. All through elementary school, I had female black teachers. High school, you know, we got a little mix in there. Um, but 
you know, so I seen that at a young age that, you know, as a black woman, we teach like that was, that is what I seen. Um, but getting older and being in the system and learning things, you know, change in education and many things is kind of a top down situation. So if I can insert myself in a place where I can help promote that change, but I can still volunteer my time. Like I still, you know, I still mentor and I still volunteer and do things like that. Um, but you know, if I can insert myself in a place where I can actually attempt to make a difference and it might happen, whether that be at my local level or whatever, then that, that was more toward my decision. And like I said, I like to give back. So that you do that you do even though you have a big heart and sometimes stuff bothers you and you need to to decompress oh oh we telling my business on the <laughs> so but no and that's this but only only using that to segue into something so like especially in the position you are like you talk to students you help you help them go through difficult times how do mm-hmm. you decompress from everything because you're a black woman in a predominantly white and white male owned field what do you do mm-hmm. to decompress sleep Mm, (laughs) um at work i actually had this conversation with my manager um in our quarterly meeting um i'm pretty antisocial because um it's just me uh and not only am i so there are two it's two black women actually in my department um, one of which that's not me. She's been there for almost 30 years. Okay. And so she navigate how she want to do. And <laughs> they don't, like she don't really talk to them either. Um, but also a lot of my, I'm also the youngest person in my department. Um, so a lot of them are married with kids and things like that. And I don't want to talk to them about that. I don't want to hear about the kids. I don't care. Um, Little baby don't want to hear about so, kids. And, you know, I love children. I do. But you have a life outside of your child. So let's talk about that. Um, But so I kind of like distance myself from that. And sometimes, um, you know, that's how I decompress. Like I'm forced to be around these people. So when there are like events or whatever, I choose not to go to them because I don't want to deal with the fucking microaggressions that I'm about to deal with at this yeah. party. Cause I'm fucking snap. Like, no. <laughs> um, so, but personally I like to, I, I stay active. I like to, um, I'm on a kickball team. Um, I play volleyball. Um, I love to sleep. And you don't yeah. take as many naps as you used to. It doesn't seem. I don't. Yeah. I sh- what'd you say um so all right so you you talked about it like with working and you were going to college you were at a predominantly white school where the only black people there were going to college how did you fight against and maybe you didn't have it but some people in that situation have the kind of natural urge to assimilate some how did you Mm -hmm. fight against Mm -hmm. that and still maintain being justice without like losing your I don't want to say losing your blackness because that has a bad connotation but just mm-hmm. not, I guess not dumbing dumbing yourself down so it's more easily mm-hmm. digestible for the white people that you have to interact with every day yeah 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 um so it's funny I was actually having a conversation with someone the other day and that's also a part of uh my decompression my stress relief is to talk to people about it um but I was talking to someone the other day and they basically said that 
black people at PWIs form their own little HBCUs, right? So, like, you have to, you seek out people that look like you, you seek out, you. Nat- that's something that you naturally do. If you at a party and you don't know anybody, you, 80% of the chance, you gonna go to the person that is talking about something that you want to talk about. Y'all got on the same shoes, y'all wearing the same color. Something draws you to yeah. that. And so it's like that in college. You, The black people, people of color, not even just black people, people of color navigate toward each other and you form that community on your own. Um, and we just did nigga shit. Like, it, <laughs> that's, that's just what it was. Um, so yeah, you you find you find your pockets and um, you know, and it makes people uncomfortable for sure. But you know, either they learn or they they won't. Like I remember we did a program. Um, it was um, something that I've always wanted to ask a black person, and that was a safe space for non-black people to come and ask questions, as long as they weren't like ignorant ass questions. Yeah. Uh, then. You know, you you present those learning opportunities for people. So don't don't you know? Um, I don't want to say portray the stereotype because um, we all do nigga shit. So yeah. So do you put sugar in your spaghetti? I don't eat spaghetti. Oh, yeah. Thank God, because if you did, I was gonna just end the podcast right. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, but the, I want to I want to I want to dig into that deeper because. That's actually something okay. I was thinking about doing with the episode. So the fact that you were okay. able to do it. So you, you created a safe place for white people to come and ask black people questions. How successful did non, you find? Non-black people. Non-black people. Just, non-black mm-hmm. people to come ask questions and hopefully get educated on black culture. Like how did you find that people were open to it? Were they kind of slow to, to open up at first? Like how did that whole like event go? So um, we did it twice. And... Um, of course it was slow like people didn't want to ask questions um but with a lot of us a lot of our roommates so my roommate my initial roommate was white and so like she came she was comfortable with me there so she asked a question you know so a lot of the the non-black people came from people we roomed together we played on the football together we're on this red team together um and, you know, it. there was nothing stupid or um, disrespectful asked there. So I think it was pretty successful in that part. Um, yeah, it was about like hair and, um, you know, and there was some good dialogue too about, you know, when that racial event happened on campus. That was a good time for us to talk to them about it because we just had a conversation with us with the diversity officer so yeah okay that's what's up i'm, I'm glad to hear that. that's awesome that you guys are able to do that and it, it may not work everywhere because you know everybody won't be as respectful or um tact in asking their questions so um tread lightly should you try to do that Listen, so i try to do something <laughs> like that and this was me much younger this was before like the calm it was still hot-headed cj um, at mm-hmm. work one time with an employee and, and somebody like they wanted to ask something. I'm like, well, just go ahead and ask me. And she was like, I find it weird that you celebrate Christmas. I'm like, what do you mean? 
She's like, don't all black people celebrate Hanukkah? I was like, you know what? This is over. It's done. We're just, we're, we're not having this conversation. But see, again, that was me not in the place where I am now, where I realized stuff like that is a chance to educate people. I just immediately got offended and shut it, shut it the fuck down. But yeah, so. I think, and, and you have to um, be, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, discerning mm-hmm. when people are asking those kinds of questions because that doesn't sound like it was done with malice. It yeah. sounds like it was pure curiosity and yeah. inquiry. Um so, you know, somebody might come and ask you that and, you know, mean it to try to get a hell out of you to get you upset. So um, I think you just have to be really discerning about when people ask questions or look at the context or the situations um, of that. Like people at work ask me about my hair uh, a lot, especially in the summertime when it changed a lot. So Do you yeah. tell them you use juices and berries? No, what was really funny is one of the ladies was like, oh, you got new extensions. And I was like, no, they're braids. They're not extensions. That's funny. So what's the difference? So it was, a, you know, it, it was, was a, a open dialogue, a teachable, yeah. teachable. Moment. See, there you go. See, and, and, I, and I'm in the If somebody asked me the same question now, I'm in a better place. Like back then. I was just really like, you, you, you white motherfucker. But nonetheless, let's stop. Uh, we're going to stop right there. Um, so another thing, I guess this will be the last thing that we tackle on, on this here uh, episode. I did all this research for nothing. Oh, no. I what you, what you got? You said, what do you got? What do you got? It's okay. No, nope, I want to answer the questions. They ask questions. I want to answer the questions. No. Well, no, this is back to your topics. It's the imposter syndrome is what I was about to go into. Oh. So if you have any okay. statistics, go ahead, Ms. Ms. Posey. I'm sorry, Miss Justice. Go ahead and take it. I can't help it. You ain't shit. I, mean, I can say the full um, government if you like. I mean, we could both go there if you want to. I, but I say my government on the podcast. <laughs> they all know it, but go ahead. Um, so uh, so imposter syndrome. Um, I'm not sure if have you talked about it before? I have never show? talked about imposter syndrome. Why not? You should. I not should. with me. You should get somebody else. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, um, actually, the extra regular, we did do an episode on the imposter syndrome. Don't know what number it is. Don't know what it's called. But go on Spotify and find it. Um, so, imposter syndrome is like feeling inadequate. So despite your successes and despite how well you've you've done and the accolades that are coming in, the bonuses that are coming in, the monies, the checks, the shmoney that's being given to you because of how great you are, you feel inadequate or like somebody's going to figure out, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. Um, so we see that a lot in students of color, um, I think part of it is because like I talked about before a little bit on the last episode is that um, we don't have those resources. And so like, we feel like we may have barely skated by to get into college. And now that I'm here, they gonna know that I really don't know how to do college algebra or whatever, or they're going to figure out that, you know, I really, I really don't know how I got here. And I don't, I don't, I've had that and I have five, four degrees. I have four degrees. And there are still times when I'm like, ooh, they gonna know that I don't know <laughs> what the fuck I'm doing. Like, that I, I'm just winging it. And like you, and I do my job very well. And, you know, I've gotten 
I've gotten more responsibilities because of what I do, but it's like they're gonna figure out that I just I'm just here. I just show up. Uh, it's predominant in people of color in higher ed um, for for a lot of factors. Like I said, because those resources that we don't have, um, that we sometimes don't know how to get, um, which is a bit ba- which are barriers for persons of color in college and in general. But yeah. Well, okay, so the imposter syndrome is something that's that's it's mental. It's a, like a mental block that you have all mm-hmm. kind of generated on yourself. So knowing everything mm-hmm. that you've been through, knowing what you had to do to get your four degrees, mm-hmm. why do you still worry about it? Why do I still worry that that, that I feel inadequate? Yeah, that you're inadequate. Um, I think being a person of color in general uh, has something to do with it because you know, no matter how great the people are around you and how great they tell you you are, the world tells us different all the time, mm-hmm. all the time. It's been, I'm a woman and I'm a person of color. Yeah. <laughs> so you have those two intersecting things and it's like, oh, well, you know, people talk bad on women all the time. People talk bad on black people all the time. And it's just like, oh, you know, I'm consistently trying to prove you wrong, but I do fail sometimes. And that's when that shit kicks in for real. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, girl, well, maybe shit, like, you did paper at the last minute. Like, you know, stuff like that. You really didn't read that whole chapter. Uh, so I think the thing that probably gets it the most for me is just, it's society. It's what, we, what we've been what's been thrown up on us our whole life. Do you think that what what you just mentioned with society and what's been thrown on us, do you think that that also contributes outside of just imposter syndrome is, does that keep people out of even applying for colleges? Sometimes? Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and I knew the answer is yes, but like, so when, when have you run into a situation in which you're working with a student that, that you've had to help them overcome that? I guess by the time they make it to you, they probably already made the decision they're going to apply. But still, just in working mm-hmm. with someone outside of your own experiences with an imposter syndrome, we're helping someone overcome that themselves. You right in the middle of your question. So I didn't hear the whole question. Your internet sucks. That's what I'm living here. So sorry. So sorry. Sucks. Kansas City sucks. So sorry. Um. <laughs> so you said you're done with the interview? <laughs> 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 no, but okay. like, have you ever run into something where you've had to help someone get over that mental block of 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 not not maybe being afraid to apply for for college or even like, oh, I'm not gonna get in here. There's no point. All right, maybe I should drop out. Like anything in 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 being able to almost willing being willing to give up higher education and they're by all means a qualified student. They just doubt themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, I think. <sighs> So that's a, a twofold answer to me just because of where I work and the type of program that we have. It's a very intensive program and there are only maybe 10 other schools in the nation that have it. So our students come to us with that kind of feeling all the time. Okay. Uh, uh, speaking of persons of color, um, I mean, I mean, yes. Yeah, so like I said, I do things outside of my job and that's working with high schoolers and um, college and career readiness and things like that and you do have those students um, like I had somebody my mama didn't go to college my grandma didn't go to college um, like I don't need to go to college and you know I mean depending on what she want to do like we talked about in the last episode episode she may not need to go to college but um, 
we always want to present that as an option and as something that is attainable to them. And uh, when we look at, you know, we sit down and look at grades and we look at extracurricular activities and things like that. Um, some things, some some schools may be lofty. <laughs> Those It may be schools like, you know, let's start out somewhere else for the first two years and then make this our goal to get here. Um, so it's, it's, it's about goal setting, having those little small things before we get to the big one um, and being realistic about what we want to do. So what have I done or what, what can I do to get me where I want to go? Um, and it's just encouragement. Like I said, I mentioned a couple of times, it's about the village that you have around you. Um, I was just looking at our, so most urban leagues um, put out like statistics about their city every year. And so I was just looking at the one for Kansas City and um, I was looking at the bachelor's degree attainment in my neighborhood and it's less than like 10%. And that blew my fucking mind. Wow. Like what? Cause, because every, most, most of my friends have at least a bachelor's degree. So, um, and I have friends that don't and that are successful and, you know, doing what they do. Um, but that was just boom. <laughs> but you don't live here because Kansas City sucks, remember? Oh, yeah. I never, um, never catch me. <laughs> anywho. Um, but when you when you look at that and also the same statistics that's, that show that our black students graduate more white students, but our white students attain their bachelor's degrees at higher rates than our black students. Like, Oh, wow. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I love that report. It's just so enlightening. But yeah. So it's just shit like that. And that's because we don't have the resources. Like they, these schools just want to get these black kids through school. And then that's it. Like to get their, to get their ratings up, to get their accreditation and shit like that. They don't, there's not a lot of after work for us, preparation for our students. So there you go. Um, so what 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 needs to be done to have, to to give them that? I think it starts. It has to start in our primary education. So we can't wait until somebody is a senior to start talking to them about college, like or careers. So like I mentioned in the last episode, it's not just college readiness; it's college readiness and career preparation. So, excuse me, I was drinking some ginger ale. Um. <laughs> so beer. talk to them about that beer. I don't. You know, I don't I drink know. beer, man. <laughs> that yes. Mm-hmm. Um. So talking to our students about um, you know, at a at an earlier age, even as far as like I would say maybe like seventh or eighth grade, just introducing them to the concept of careers in in college and and things like that, and then providing them with the resources. So that same report that I was reading showed that um the percent of qualified teachers in our black schools is like 38%. So we have a lot of these teachers coming from, you know, teaching organizations and they don't know how to teach our urban kids. Mm. They don't know, like they don't relate. You can't, you can't relate to them. Uh, You don't know how to handle the, don't know why these behavioral issues are happening. 
Um, and so you and you don't know how to combat those things. So then that's a whole nother topic in itself, honey. But yeah. Don't get me started on that shit drives me nuts. Like you wanna put a first year teacher in a school that is a highly, you know, active school uh-huh. and she gonna quit in like two weeks. Yeah. Like they don't know mm. Mm-hmm. And, and and that goes back to kind of what we touched on a little bit earlier the per, the importance of representation of no of having people from if not that background similar background so they can know how to deal with they know what their mm-hmm. students are going through and you do have a lot of situations with these teachers are put in to, to situations and have to deal with students and kids that they could never really relate to the everyday struggle that they deal with. Mm-hmm. And then how do you expect that student then to open up to someone who is literally going to be looking at them like, I just, I, I can't relate. Yeah. And, and, and two, um, we also have to um, have highly qualified teachers who look like us wanting to go and teach. Mm-hmm. Too. So, like you were talking, we were looking at those statistics from the NCES. Um, our black faculty, even so, that's just that's the higher ed side. Um, but black male teachers are like fucking unicorns, mm-hmm. especially at the like elementary school level. I don't think I ever ha- well in elementary school. I know I didn't. Yeah, I didn't. Either. As a matter of fact, I don't think I had a black teacher in, until middle school. Oh, that's sad. Yeah, I don't think I had a single black teacher until middle school. Um, I'm I'm ninety six percent sure that I didn't see not even a substitute until middle school. And my first year in middle school, I had a black male teacher who was also my football coach. But other than mm-hmm. that, I, I did not have a single black male teacher or black teacher at mm-hmm. all until middle school. See. That's crazy. And I don't think anything about that has changed yeah. at all. And you was in school hell as a go, so. That was an un- uncalled for low blow. Um, all right. We're just going to go ahead and move right the fuck along. That was unnecessary. Um, so what else did you have? I know you said you had a lot of statistics there. What else you got for us? Um, what else? Were there any more questions? I feel like this is gonna be hella long, and I know I don't listen to shows that are hella long, so don't I don't want to do don't this. Worry. I know how to break it up. This, I'm a pro <laughs> at this. This is what I do for a living. Um, I just, I just have one more question for you, and it's kind of based okay. off something that I said. So I don't want to. I guess I'll go ahead and ask it just to get it out of the way, so we won't just be lingering and I won't forget. Um, so I had mentioned before in a, in a way older episode how I felt like. College sports is a form of slavery nowadays, and I know that was a bit maybe a, a, a strong, strongly worded way to way to get the message across. But when you look at the money that these collegiate athletes are bringing in to these sports mm-hmm. programs, and the fact that mm-hmm. there's this big battle going on now on if these if these collegiate athletes should be paid more than I know, I know a lot of them are getting stipends because they don't want them to work while they're going but as far as actually right. getting paid because these schools are making money off their likenesses they're making money off them performing these sports and everything like these a lot of major colleges and universities their whole financing is done off the backs of these students so what do you where do you stand as a former college athlete and someone who works in higher education on student athletes getting paid give them their money thank you <laughs> <laughs> like that's it i think it's called like the um fair to fair fair pay for play yeah. act or something like that um so um that's a whole um college athletics that's a whole nother section of higher ed yeah. so that um there are people that go to school just to 
learn how to work with college athletes from a higher education standpoint. Yeah. That is not my wheelhouse. Um, I know, and this is so. this is just a personal. I, I know you can't from your career okay. you can't speak on okay. this. So this is just a personal opinion on it. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Get them, get them people their money. Um, most college athletes do, um, depending on what type of scholarship they get, they do get um, like housing and they get food stipends. So when I was playing volleyball, um, my academic and part volleyball scholarship, so that paid for um, my tuition and room and board. My room and board came from volleyball. Um, but that was it. Like, nigga was still broke. And, and, <laughs> and, the- had, and you don't have time. Like, at that point, right before school started, we were going two-a-days. We had to be at our training facility at 5 o'clock in the morning, go to class, come back for afternoon practice, go to class, and then you go back for your individual practice. So you don't got time for enough job. And, and, and even looking at it from the standpoint of injuries, like, this these schools make money off you and then it, it, a lot of people they look at it as okay but i'm gonna make the money up when i get to the league and a lot of them don't but even on top of that the ones who get injured and then that <laughs> takes the career say, away uh, like you know those exactly and it's like <laughs> why why shouldn't they make money um and the fact that people argue this i just for the life of me i don't understand i'm not saying they need to be coming away as millionaires for playing collegiate sports but they need to be making something. They're putting so their bodies lie, on the I haven't been following it really closely. What are the arguments against against it? Is that it's that basically just Why the argument? They not get money because because you know once you start making money, you're looked at as a professional, and the whole collegiate sports thing is is that to stay to maintain your collegiate um, standing, you you can't be paid as a professional. You can't hire an agent. You can't do any of these things because that the moment you do that, you're looked at, at as a professional. So in there, in the mindset that just the old way that the system's been built, if we start paying these mm-hmm. kids, they're now professional athletes. And then what other doors does that open the doors up for agents to come in? Then they'll really be getting money. Like so, I think it's really more of a system to keep it the way that it's been done, rather mm-hmm. than just adjust yeah. it because things have changed. I mean, okay, don't pay them, increase their stipend and the regularity go. of how they get it. Yeah, don't make them an employee; just give them more money. Boom, problem solved to the NCAA. So there you go. There you go. We, we need to get you in front of them. Hopefully they'll listen to this podcast. But uh, I know, like I said, I knew I was going to hold that back because I know that's a completely different subject and it was just like a, your personal opinion on it. But um, yeah, we got a question. Well, no, and I, and I think it applies to especially persons of color because we have a lot of, especially our little black boys that go into, you know, whichever respectable league. And so they're depending on these scholarships and a lot of them may be, um, um, first time st- or first generation students and so their parents may if they didn't get that full scholarship their parents were struggling to send them to school on top of you know them worrying about oh you know I need to maybe get a job so I can send money home which takes away from their studies which decreases their you know their uh, chance of passing and getting those degrees I think it all ties in together um, especially for our people of color yeah. absolutely there you go. It's not. It, I don't know, and I and I get it. They pay people that are a lot smarter than me, or supposed to be, to come up with these things. But it doesn't seem like it really should be a thing that it it it. it you would think that it's a fairly simple fix to make. The NCAA don't want to come up off the coins. Yeah. that's what it is. Yeah. Like at the end of the day, it's a business, and they want to keep their money. And I think too, if if it does go this way, that they'll have to really open up and 
give exact numbers on how much money they're making off collegiate sports because right now it's they don't have to report it. So there's there's not like a a, a a strict thing that you know exactly how much each college is making. They don't have to report it. So it's like I don't know. I think that's that's part of it too. They're afraid to say, "Oh no, we're really making." Y'all think we're only making this much, but we're really making, you know, probably twice as much as that. Yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> they don't want to come up off them coins. Exactly. All right. But I know you said it's going to be a long episode. Don't worry about mm-hmm. it. But what else you got mm-hmm. for us? Do you have any more questions? I have no more questions. That's it. Were there any more questions from the previous one? No so, more questions. I actually think we probably talked about everything that I have. Look at that. Boom. I'm the world's greatest podcast. I just rolled my eyes really hard at you. That's fine. I'm used to it. Mm. Yeah, that was it. That was it. All right. Well, that's it. Is there anything um, left that you just, on your mind, on your heart, on your soul that you want to mention um, besides all the hard work you're doing with the website? No, go look at it. <laughs> I know. It's beautiful. The website and the whole little new landing page. Perfect. I love it. Mm-hmm. 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 Um, no, I don't think I have anything else. Um, I don't want to keep promising stuff for the extra regular. Um, Can we just get Wellness Wednesdays back? Is there is there any chance of us getting Wellness Wednesdays back? Do you want them back in October or can I start in November? No, November's fine. Okay. See? We will, we will have Wellness Wednesdays. When the boss asks, <laughs> shit shakes. That's all I got to say. Shit shakes when the boss asks. So I'm just going to record and send it to you because uh, I'm still off social media. I think I'm going to stay off for the rest of the year. That's so fine. That's, just, deal. that's 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 a great compromise. Boom. Word. All right. So go ahead and tell the people where they can follow you so we can get the hell out of here. Um, now, you know so what? Yeah, Don't even I'm worry just... about it because you're not going to be on it. So go and check out thebreaksmedianetwork.com where you can check out all of her work. I just thought about who the hell I was talking to. She's not going to see it. At all. I've probably tagged her in like 10 things over the last two weeks, and I know she hasn't seen any of it, so it doesn't matter. Um, you guys can follow You can follow me at CEO Hayes at CEO H-A-I-Z-E. You can also follow the podcast at The Awakened Soul Pod and follow The Breaks Media at The Breaks Media. Go to TheBreaksMediaNetwork.com where you can see all the lovely work Justice is doing on the podcast and find all the podcasts, the black and beautiful ass, no, the beautiful black ass podcasts that are part of the network. I actually stole that line from you. You said it on the Wellness Wednesday, and I've been saying it ever since. And this has been another episode of The Awakened Soul. We are out, niggas. Peace. Whole squad, whole squad, really just chillin' Ha, we just tryin' to make a livin' Whole squad